Good morning. It's good to be back. Let's go straight into the Word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14 and reading from verse 22. This passage of Scripture is entitled, Jesus Walks on the Water. Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them, and the fourth, and in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. And came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. A life of faith is a life of risk. A life of faith is a life of risk. Let's look at some of the passages in the Bible or some of the biblical heroes that risked almost everything. We see Noah. Took 55 years to build an ark in the middle of a dry section of land. This huge, monstrous ark in biblical times. That was a risk. Abraham leaving a place called Ur and moving towards the promised land. Moses leading the people out of Egypt. Joshua leading them across the Jordan and into the promised land. David confronting the giant. David as a lad, a youth of 17 years old, confronting the biggest man in recorded history. Elijah confronting the 450 prophets of Baal alone. Daniel refusing to eat the king's food because he didn't want to defile himself and ended up in the lion's den. Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. I mean, these are just a few examples. They weren't content with the status quo, and if nobody else was going to rise up and take the leadership role, they themselves would do it. So Matthew 14 is a wonderful story. It's a wonderful story of radical discipleship. And the title that I want to give the sermon this morning, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. You want to walk on water, you have to get out of boat. 
A life of faith is a life of risk. And I would actually spell the word faith as R-I-S-K. If you're unwilling to take a chance, you'll never discover what living by faith is all about. If you're afraid to take that step, unless things are absolutely sure that things will work out in your favor, uh, I think life will always be a mystery. And so today I want to challenge you to take that step out of a place of comfort and security, out on the water with Jesus, to experience the supernatural. But just a little bit of a background to what the story was. Just before that, Jesus had fed the 5,000. And in the feeding of the 5,000, people that he fed thought this was fantastic. We should make him king. But Jesus knew immediately that this was a shallow enthusiasm and didn't want any of it. And so he decided that he would send the disciples off to the other side. He would go up the mountain uh, to pray after he had dismissed the crowd. So Jesus stays behind. He dismisses the crowd. He goes up and they decide to cross the lake. And as they're crossing the lake, you need to realize that the Sea of Galilee is about 200 meters below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains. The, the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and then goes down into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest point of the Earth's surface, being about 400 to 600 meters below the, the, the Earth's surface. So Galilee is there, it's surrounded by mountains. The winds come funnel down and in an instant a storm can arise. And the storm came, and the disciples were crossing, and it said from the second to the th end of the third watch, they struggled. So that was between 9 o'clock all the way to 3 o'clock the next morning. They were struggling. They were cold. They were wet. They were terrified. And they became more terrified when Jesus came walking towards them. It's a ghost! Fascinating story here. Yeah? Verse 26. Their fear is upgraded. They were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. <laughs> when have you been most frightened? When have you been most frightened? Most frightened that I've ever been. Medley and I were in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Years ago. We were young. Without children. Years ago. And the people that we were staying with said, I'm a pilot. You want to go for a flip in my airplane? I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. And then we went down to the airport, and it was a pre-World War I airplane. It was a tin can with wings and a Russell Hobbs fan in front of it. I've never been so terrible. I thought, why did I get myself into this situation? But the disciples now, in the midst of the storm, were out there, and they saw Jesus coming. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't a parable. It was reality. It was a miracle that was taking place. Here, I don't know how Jesus did it, but he is the Lord of heaven, and he is the Lord of earth, and he came walking towards them. He is the Lord of the natural, and he is the Lord of the supernatural, walking towards them. On water. What is he trying to prove? 
He's trying to reveal something of his being, his lordship to these people. We see in the book of uh, Exodus, God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock because his glory is going to pass by. Something's going to happen just so that Moses could see some of the glory passing by. Mark tells us, very interesting statement, Matthew doesn't include this. Jesus intended them, intended to pass them by. He wanted to show something of his glory to them. And Jesus reveals his glory to them. Jesus sent them across the lake. <laughs> he knew that a storm would come. Being in the will of God, responding in obedience, is no guarantee that you're going to be excluded from storms. Just to let you know. Storms are going to come. And in the place of desperation, in the fourth watch, this is now after three o'clock, Jesus comes. They're now desperate. They think they're going to die. And in their desperation, I think sometimes it's good to get a place to a place of desperation because it's only then that we really need the Lord. Can't rely on anything else but the Lord. And Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch. And Peter cries out, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking towards Jesus. He's the only one. The other 11 are standing, sitting there, big eyes, looking at what's going on. They didn't venture to get out of the boat. Peter gets out of the boat, and on the command of Jesus, come to me, he starts walking on the water. As he walks, he starts to realize <laughs> these waves. I mean, it's, it's good. You can possibly walk with much greater ease when it's calm, it's daylight, and there are waves. But now there are waves, there's strong wind, it's pitch black. And he's walking towards Jesus. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. I find that a fascinating thing because we as the church look at that situation and we think, ah, Peter sank. But the interesting thing is that Jesus walked up to him, after him crying out, Lord, save me. Jesus pulled him up out of the water and they walked back to the boat together. That's the essence of the story. The real part of the story is and Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. What's your boat? What's your boat? It's that thing that whatever produces fear in you, that you won't step out of. Maybe it's a vocation. I'm, I'm satisfied with my vocation. I don't want to step out. You know God's call on your life. A man in his late 20s gets trained as a professional, starts serving in his profession, works hard, but God has called him. No, Lord, making lots of money, 
gets to the end of his life and he's got a fat bank account and a huge stock portfolio and lots of cups of success in his in his in his in, in, his, in his wardrobe. <laughs> but he doesn't get around the fact that there was one time a call on his life. Come follow me. There was a guy that we call the rich young ruler came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, obey the commandments. I do that. Every one of those commandments, I do it. He's a good guy. Then Jesus said, you sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he walked away. You know the call of God in your life? We'll never get around that. To be so satisfied with your boat, your place of security. Mm. You see, if you're satisfied with all that you've done and all that you've proven, I think it's a sad day. Because it's a sad day because the life that you're living, the thoughts that you're thinking, the deeds that you're doing, if you've done all of those things, what's going to happen in the future? If you're content with what you've done, you'll never be famous for what you'll do. If you've achieved and you all that you've planned for yourself, you've not planned enough. Max Dupree said, you cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. And the surest way to contentment the surest way to peace of mind and to peace of heart is to lose yourself in a cause much greater than yourself. With God, you can do big things and have big plans. How about, ah, it's all too much. I'm a bit on the lazy side. And I like that security of that boat. Don't want to get out. Look, laziness is like a rust. And it comes and attaches itself to the finest of materials. And it's persistent. Never lets up. Keeps on and on. And it will drive you down the road to poverty. Love the story of John Wesley. A man who preached 40,000 sermons. Got a long way to go to catch up to 40,000, I must say. He was 83 years of, old, of age, and his doctor prohibited him from preaching more than 14 times a week. <laughs> when he got to 83, he was angry because he said in his journal, laziness is creeping in. There's an Increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning. Henry Ford commented and he said, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. I'm going to do it. Your words have to match your deeds. And if they don't, all that's happening is you're allowing your, the weeds to, to outgrow your dreams and to take over your dreams. How about self-esteem? 
I don't have a good self-esteem. Listen, we need to know and realize who we are in Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly tells us that if you're a child of God, you've been touched and you've been forgiven and you've been filled with His Holy Spirit. And the Bible also tells us that you are a mighty, victorious, champion warrior. We need to realize that. Maybe your boat is, I'm not prepared to risk. You know, we, we, we decide before we venture out that it's, it's, it's going to fail. Wrong. Don't do that. The reason why we accomplish so little is because we attempt so little. How about a definition of the impossible? Somebody, nobody can do until somebody does it. You know the game of baseball? You can't steal to second base if you've still got your foot on first base. You have to commit and run. Dr. J.A. Holmes said, Never tell a young person that something cannot be done. God has been waiting for centuries for somebody ignorant enough to do the impossible, to do that very thing. You will find great leaders are really realistic by other people's standards. Want to do the impossible? <laughs> Step out. Step out. Peter got out of the boat. He was responding to the call of God, call of the Lord. Come. That's the best place to be. It's the best place. Yes, he was out on the water. Yes, he did sink. But thankfully, the Lord picked him up and took him back. But the others didn't experience what Peter experienced. Jesus says to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? It was more of a encouragement than a rebuke. Why did you have such little faith? No. If you just focused more on me and had more faith, if you concentrated on me, you could have been able to walk the entire breadth, width of the Atlantic Ocean. That's what faith is about. It's just concentrating on Jesus. Ask yourself, what can I do apart from Jesus? You do very little. But with Him, you can do incredible things. Incredible things. But you need to take a step. Just a step. When Moses died, it was handed over the leadership to Joshua. And there were some words of encouragement, prophetic words, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Uh, the Lord will be with you. The Lord will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous as you enter the promised land. So, in, in chapter 3 of Joshua, they get a word saying, the souls of the feet of the priests, but the soles of the feet Wherever you go will be your possession. But the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark 
that will lead you across the Jordan. They will need to put their feet into the water before the waters rolled back. Now, it's the time of a flood that took place. The, the, the River Jordan is floody. I want you to know that the River Jordan is, Jordan is, means the one that descends. This is the descender. If, 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 if they don't see God act and get involved, they will be taken away. So the instruction comes in Joshua chapter 3. I want the priests who carry the ark of God to go to lead, and as they put their feet in the water, the waters will roll back. That's a biblical principle. Moses, years before, had to go through that same principle. God says, I want you to go and confront Pharaoh. So he says, what must I do? God says, throw your staff on the ground. Turns into a snake. Moses gets a fright. So God says, pick it up by the tail. You don't pick up a snake by the tail because it leaves the business end of the snake quite free to do its thing. You want to, so he eventually did that, and he picks it up and it turned back into a staff. He had to trust God, but he had to release his staff. He had to take that step first. Naaman, Naaman was commanded, if he wanted to be healed of leprosy, he had to get into the Jordan River and go in and out seven times before his leprosy would be healed. Gideon, standing there with an army of 32,000. God says, too much. Winnow it down. Winnow it down to 300. From 32,000 to 300. I mean, really, God, do you know what you're doing? This is an army. You need guys to go and fight. Too much. Trust me. And had to take a step. Take a step. So Peter got out of the boat and he took a step. If you want to experience God in any measure, you have to take that step. You know, there are many things that we do and we don't know the consequences. You see this beautiful young lady, she's just absolutely dazzling. Will you marry me? But we don't know what awaits us down the road. We don't know the years of pain and the years of joy that will come. But we embark on that together. I, when I was a young Presbyterian minister at Mullerton, we started the work at Table View and we planted 90 people out into Table View from the Mulleton congregation. There was a young couple. They became leaders. And he became the principal of a primary school in Rondebosch. He retired last week. He retired at 65. He was struggling with his health. His sugar levels were just bouncing all over the place. And he was struggling. He retired, and the next day he died. <laughs> At his funeral yesterday. I mean, 
What does the wife do? They look forward to this time where they could just be together. The children now have left home. They're probably grandparents. What is that? We don't know. We don't know. Just don't know. And children. How are our children going to turn out? How much is it going to cost? I've heard an interesting statistic for parents. You're going to have children, and for those of you who've got children, this is going to scare the living daylights out of you. To get to them, to get to the child, get to a child when they are 23 and they finish university, will cost you an equivalent of 20 million rand. You little brats, you. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. What's your comfort zone? What's your comfort zone? Nothing. Got lots of young families here today. I want to. I want to say something to you, young families. I hope you're all listening in the cry room, and those of you who are teaching. The three to four-year-olds, I hope that you can listen to this message. So often we revolve our lives around our children. I've got them in a routine, but I want you to take a step out of the boat, out of that place of security, out of the place of comfort, and start walking on water and say, I'm going to commit myself this year to get involved in community. You see, when, and these little blighters, they know. <laughs> they know. The whole world is revolving. Mom and dad are moving heaven and earth because of me. Huh? I, I mean, I'm not just an old guy trying to give a little bit of advice. <laughs> Get them to realize and to make sure that Mom and dad's priority is first Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Not their kids. So make a commitment to community this, this year. How about I'm comfortable in talking about the Lord to my friends and people at church. But don't ask me to talk about the Lord to an unbeliever. Listen, the gospel is the greatest message that you can ever tell. I want to say to you, evangelize confidently. The best thing that ever happened to you, what is that? It's the day that we met Jesus Christ and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. That was the best thing that ever happened to us. It was even better than our marriage. Huh? Because it seals it for eternity. It seals that relationship for eternity. I am saved, redeemed, in a relationship with God for eternity. It's the best decision. What's the best message that you can tell anybody else? It's the message of Jesus Christ and his redemption and his salvation. Evangelism is not about us. It's about God 
and what he has done through Jesus Christ and about what God continues to do in and through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in each one of us each day. I'm too comfortable. I'm too fearful. You know, the Bible talks about fear is repeated. Do not fear is repeated 366 times in the Bible. 366 times. That's one for every day if it's a leap year. One for every day if it's not a leap year. And if you're having a really hard day, you've got an extra promise. How do you know you're comfortable? Listen, come in the church. Let me, let me challenge those that are late, that come to church late. <laughs> you come in the church with no sense of expectancy. I'm, I'm, I'm asking and I'm challenging you to get out of that boat of comfort of coming in, cruising in 10 minutes after the service has started. I'm, I'm challenging you and saying, get out of that place of comfort and maybe, just maybe, you need to say, uh, I'm going to come and minister wisely. I'm going to come and minister. I'm going to come and speak to somebody and listen to somebody and challenge somebody and encourage somebody and just have a, a word from somebody. I'm going to come and participate in the prayer meeting. I'm going to come and, and really uh, pray up a storm and ask God to pour out His Spirit rather than coming to the service and then leaving soon afterwards. Hello? Deadly silence here. How about your study of the Scriptures? How's that doing? Is the Bible just a lifeless book? See, the Bible is bread for the hungry, water to the thirsty, light for the lost, guide to our feet, and a rule to our heart. We need to trust God's word in this situation. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has given us, not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Peter starts sinking. He cries out one of the shortest prayers. Lord, save me. Very effective prayer. Lord, save me. And the Lord saved him. You know, when you get to the end of your life, one of the things that you'll begin to realize is you'll begin to regret the things that you didn't do rather than the things that you did do. William Shedd said this, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are for. When you get to the end of your life, you realize how quickly it passes. I've said this often, life is like a toilet roll. The closer it gets to the end, the faster it turns. I cannot believe how Sundays come and Sundays arrive. 
What happened to the weak? This one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are you going to do for him? What are you going to do for him this year? I want to live until the very last moment fully invested in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So to advance his kingdom in this world, taking risks based on kingdom principles, staying in the boat and being comfortable and safe is not what a life of faith is all about. This is a story of Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. This is not a story of Bartholomew getting out of the boat because Bartholomew stayed in the boat. This is not a story of Matthew walking on the water because Matthew stayed in the boat. This is not a story of James walking on the water because James stayed in the boat. This is a story of Peter who got out of his place of safety and comfort and experienced the supernatural, took a risk, and walked to Jesus on the boat. What step are you going to 